Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a really interesting show today. We have William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us. We'll also visit with Erica Donalds. She is the president, CEO, and founder of Optima Foundation. Bob Rommel is our state representative. He'll be joining us as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It is January the 28th and at 11.38 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on this day in 18, 1986, the space shuttle Challenger lifted off Cape Canaveral, Florida, and Krista McAuliffe was on her way to becoming the first ordinary U.S. citizen to uh, travel into space. McAuliffe was a 37-year-old high school social studies teacher from New Hampshire who won a competition that earned her a place among the seven-member crew of the Challenger. She underwent months of uh, shuttle training, but then, beginning January 23rd, was forced to wait six long days as the Challenger's launch countdown was repeatedly delayed because of weather, remember that, and technical problems. Finally, on January the 28th, the shuttle lifted off. Seventy-three seconds later, hundreds on the ground, including Krista's family, stared in disbelief as the shuttle broke up in forking plume of smoke and fire. Millions more watched the wretched tragedy unfold on live television. There were no survivors. In the aftermath of the disaster, President Ronald Reagan appointed a special commission to determine what went wrong with the Challenger to develop uh, future corrective measures. The investigation determined that the disaster was called by the failure of an O-ring, an O-ring seal in one of the two major fuel rockets. The elastic O-ring did not respond as expected because of the cold temperature as at the launch time, which began a chain of events that resulted in the massive loss. As a result, NASA did not send astronauts into space for more than two years as it redesigned a number of features on the space shuttle. In September 1988, Space shuttle flights resumed with the successful launching of Discovery. Since then, the space shuttle has carried out numerous important missions, such as the repair and maintenance of the Hubble Space Telescope and the construction of the International Space uh, Station. On February 1, 2003, a second space shuttle disaster rocked the United States when Columbia disintegrated upon re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. All aboard were killed. Despite fears that the problems that downed Columbia had not been satisfactorily addressed, space shuttle flights resumed on 2005 and July 26 when Discovery again was put into orbit. The space shuttle program formally ended on August the 31st, 2011 coincidental with Barack Obama's presidency, and after its final mission, flown by Atlantis in uh, July 2011. <clears throat> I, I suspect that somebody got impatient with the weather and decided, well, hey, the O-ring will be okay. We'll go ahead and launch anyway. What a tragic outcome, huh? Well, Realtor.com's new report this week that found Southwest Florida is America's number one emerging market based on housing data, economic vitality, and lifestyle metrics. As of this month, Southwest Florida is America's number one emerging market based on this information. These rankings are in part thanks to more welcoming environment recently for international visitors and immigrants. Uh, potential workers who have been largely shut out during the pandemic, if not before, that also ties partly to the ongoing hiring crisis. Emerging housing markets have been uh, particularly attractive to international shoppers, said Realtor.com. Hispanic home buyers are a young and growing share, and they're expected to play a role in the housing market in 2022. Southwest Florida market conditions will continue to be impacted by positive immigration, said Lucas, professor of real estate Shelton Weeks of uh, Florida Gulf Coast University. Shelton Weeks, uh, Luke, uh, so so why did the housing sales dip in 2021 and fade when the kick, winter kicked into gear? 
You know, here's the reason we just don't have the inventory to meet the high demand right now, said Adam Valeno. He's a Naples sales manager at Compass, Florida. Just because the number of closed sales are declining does not mean that interest in our market is declining. Demand in our market is still very high. It comes down to a lack of available homes. Isn't that interesting? Many were bought up last year when it was warmer, leaving fewer quality choices. Now here are the top among the top fifteen emerging housing markets. Number one, Naples, Immokalee, Marco Island. Number two, uh, Northport, Sarasota, Bradenton. How about that? And we've got I think it was something like five of the top fifteen markets in the United States here in Florida. Well, officials from Florida and uh, Russia and Ukraine, I should say, met in Paris on Wednesday and held what Moscow described as tough talks. Despite whatever difficulties were, the two sides agreed that the ceasefire in Ukraine's eastern Donbass region must be upheld. Let that sink in. German and French officials were also present for the meeting, which lasted eight hours. The four countries started holding talks together after the uh, war started in 2014 in a form known as Normandy format. Russia and Ukraine signed the mixed agreements during Normandy format talks in 2014 and 15 that established a ceasefire. And while there have been occasional flare-ups, the war has essentially been a stalemate since 2015. Russian envoy uh, Dmitry Kozak said that despite all the differences and in interpretations of the mixed agreements, we agreed that the ceasefire must be maintained at all parties in line with the accords. He also said the next Normandy format meeting will take place in two weeks in Berlin. The talks were held at uh, Elysee, the uh, residence of French President Emmanuel Macron. Uh, the Elysee in a statement uh, that said the Cowboys support unconditional respect for the ceasefire and full adherence to the ceasefire strengthening measures of July 22, 2020, regardless uh, of the differences on the issues relating to the implementation of the mixed agreements. Under the mixed agreements, Ukraine agreed to give a level of autonomy to the breakaway republics of Lugansk and uh, Donetsk, which haven't happened yet. In December, the Associated Press reported that Biden administration was considering pressuring Ukraine to grant the separatist autonomy, a move that could significantly de-escalate tensions in the region. So all this comes down to is with all the saber-rattling that's going on with uh, Joe Biden and his administration, sorry, Joe, no war here. <laughs> they want peace. <laughs> so uh, if you can imagine, you know, worried about assembling at the border and all these things that are going on, think about how the news is promoting the notion of war. Oh, well, this mixed agreement is just not going to happen. President Joe Biden over the last year has been flying border crossers and illegal aliens to suburbs across the United States in a down-low operation by the Department of Homeland Security, federal contractors admit. Uh, newly released footage obtained by the New York gubernatorial candidate Ron Astorino shows a flight charted by Biden in August 2021 where unaccompanied alien children can be seen unloaded from the plane and onto buses in Westchester, New York from Fort Bliss, Texas. Employees with MVM the private company that contracts with the Biden administration to facilitate the relocation of border crosses and illegal aliens, detail how the secret of operation is meant to be as down low as possible and to keep the chartered flights out of the sight of Americans. Full disclosure, a lot of transparency there, huh? MVM, Incorporated scored a $136 million federal contract from the Biden administration to facilitate the operation. Where'd that money come from? MVM executives for years have donated tens of thousands of dollars to Democrats, including Senator Tim Kaine and Bob Menendez. You don't want to be somewhere where the spotlight is there, an MBA uh, employee told an officer with the Westchester County Police Department about why the Biden administration chooses small airports like the Westchester Airport. He also added, you want to try to be as down low as possible. A lot of this is just down low stuff. We don't want to tell people because we don't want to attract attention. We don't want the media. We don't want even uh, even know where we're going when they tell us. Unbelievable. Similar uh, airways flights from the U.S.-Mexico border packed with border crosses and illegal aliens have been flown to small airports in eastern Pennsylvania as well as Jacksonville International Airport in Florida. If this gets out, the government is betraying the American people, another contractor said. Employees also with MVM 
also revealed that buses loaded with border crosses and illegal aliens are headed for Delaware, Virginia, New Jersey, Maryland, and among other states. In all of 2021, more than 2 million border crossers and illegal aliens arrived at the southern border. More than 530,000 of those arrivals were released in the United States interior. At nearly 45,000 were put on commercial domestic flights and flown into the country, often free of charge. Our government is completely out of control right now. They've lied to us. They've lied to the American people, said Astorino on the Tucker Carlson show. Just a little update on not only is the, do we have open borders, we've got the United States government, the Biden administration, facilitating travel into the interior of the United States. Using whose money? I don't understand. I'm sure there's not a line item in our budget to do this. But irrespective, in a recent uh, meeting, uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas held with Customs and Border Protection agents. Uh, he was uh, doing his best to empathize with the difficult situations the agents find themselves in, but sounds like the agents weren't satisfied with his answers. One of them even turned his back on Mayorkas. Look, it's worse now than, Frank, it's been in at least 20 years, if not ever, Mayorkas said to another point in the meeting regarding the overall situation at the border. Let me let that sink in. Mayorkas said it's worse now than it's ever been, perhaps ever. One exasperated agent told Mayorkas the situation in Yuma sector was much better under former President Donald Trump because everyone was doing their jobs. It's hard to tell from the exchanges whether the Biden administration actually plans to deal with the situation or if they're just doing their best to keep the CBP agents working through the ongoing crisis. Between this and the secretive flights of migrant to New York, it looks like the main goal is to keep the border off the front pages. As long as the media continues to ignore the situation, the administration considers it a success, regardless of what is actually happening on the ground. Can you believe that? Uh Shocking. I think this president should be impeached. He's supposed to be upholding the laws. He's breaking the laws. By the way, the federal government debt now stood uh, at $27,700,000,000 when Joe Biden took office. Now the uh, budget or the deficit is $29,867,000,000. This means that the federal debt has grown by more than two trillion dollars since Biden took office. To put this in perspective, 40 presidents have served at the nation's chief executive before the debt topped two trillion dollars in 1986. Unbelievable. Finally, on in this segment, uh, Newsmax will cover uh, former President Donald Trump's Save America rally on Saturday, beginning at with a pre-event at 6 p.m. Trump's expected to speak around 8 p.m., and Newsmax will follow the rally with continuous news and coverage and analysis immediately following the president's speech. The event is at Montgomery County Fairgrounds in Conroe, Texas, just north of Houston, uh, which follows Trump's previous two rallies earlier in Florence, Arizona. Always fun to watch uh, the the president, the Trumpster, doing his thing, and it's going to be happening. You can watch it on Newsmax. We'll certainly be watching it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No 
no reservations are needed, check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 239- 252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app from the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Erica Donalds. She is the president, CEO, and founder of the Optima Foundation. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute, William. You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org is the website. Thank you, William. So uh, talking about breaking news, what's happening in Washington, D.C. and within the Beltway, and uh, one of the big things is the announcement perhaps as a surprise to uh, the Associate Justice of Supreme Court, Breyer, that he's retiring. (laughs) And I wanted to get your thoughts and comments. Well, indeed, uh, that's that's the big news this week. And and as you intimated at the outset, I think the White House jumped the gun by a day. um, And then Breyer was perhaps a bit upset that the information had been leaked, um, uh, you know, before the announcement. But nonetheless, um, uh, Breyer, I believe he's 84. Um, he, he's been on the court for, I believe, 27 years, um, but was appointed by President Clinton. Um, and yes, so now that uh, all eyes are going to be on the, the confirmation fight, although I, I should note here, um, it's not clear as to whether or not the confirmation fight will be divisive. Um, that is to say, given that Breyer's replacement won't change the, the so you know the quote unquote party makeup of the court, um, you know six Republican appointees to three Democrat appointees, um, I think it's it's highly possible that this does not incur the sort of uh, 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 anger and and, and uh, divisiveness uh, that that is usually attended to. Um, these Supreme Court nominations, or that certainly were attended to uh, the process during the Trump era. Well, I, I I think it may, if in fact he nominates somebody who's uh, all about transgender and all about racism and you know, somebody who's spouting off a lot of rhetoric that's uh, very woke, I suspect that's going to raise some questions. So it may come down. To, it certainly won't because it's a woman and a, a person of color, which, by the way, I mean, it's uh, unconstitutional. It's against the law to, <laughs> to <laughs> you're supposed to select the very best candidate for the job, not necessarily to choose somebody based on their color and their and their uh, gender. I uh, don't disagree with that. I mean, uh, uh, 
you know, I'll always believe that you can't fight racism with practices that are race-based. I mean, that are in essence, right? Um, uh, you know, so I, I do um, look. I, I applaud. I assume that whomever he's going to appoint is going to be accomplished, um, an accomplished jurist with great credentials. Um, but yes, I am uncomfortable with the idea of establishing these sorts of uh, race-based nominees or race-based seats in the Supreme Court. Um, I don't think that's a societal progress. I mean, look, that is to say, I welcome diversity in the court, um, and I welcome any such nomination, but, you know, to the extent that he said, I'm only going to nominate an African-American woman, um, you know, that is, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're a multi-ethnic society, and I, I agree with the results, but yeah. like you, I think I'm a bit uncomfortable with th- that sort of reasoning. Well, uh, it's okay to have the reasoning. I think the way to do it is to choose a candidate and say, by the way, this person is black and, and, a, and a female. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah, but it hang, it's going to hang over whoever is nominated, the fact that they were probably selected because of race and, and uh, gender. That's, that's just, it just puts them in a bad position. Well, I mean, I would I would hope that our, our society, uh, I would hope that's not the case, that, you know, it's, an, it's a, a dark cloud over their head. Right. And I would say this. I mean, I recall that progressives during Kavanaugh's hearing were um, uh, shouting to the sky that this would, that, that what was uncovered, the, the putative evidence against him, um, that that would tarnish him on the court for all his days. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's been the case. Yeah, so, you're a good point. It is. Very good point indeed. Hey, so uh, Biden, he's off to Pennsylvania today, and no Democrats are going to show up. I think is an indication that uh, you know he's he's uh, he's kind of pariah when it comes down to running for the midterm elections coming up. But uh, he made a speech in front of uh, uh, talking to uh, uh, about competition. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Indeed, <laughs> this is on Monday. A speech before his uh, a competition council. And it's notable he was uh, uh, trying to identify the cause of inflation, and he pointed to big business, a litany of, you know, he said big ag, big tech, big pharma, all these shibboleths. Um, And the one thing he didn't mention was the obvious culprit, big government. Hmm. I mean, the seven-odd trillion dollars of spending that Congress has passed over the last two years. And indeed, um, you know, I, I think it's notable that the reason the president's social spending package, the Build Back Better Act, failed, as we've noted a number of times, is due to Senator Joe Manchin's reservations about how it would increase inflation. So it's just, uh, you know, what is the president talking about? Like, he seems to be a bit disconnected from reality when he's on the stump these days. No question. You, you mentioned Build Back Better. It looks like he's trying to even get, <clears throat> bring in a Build Back Better light program to somehow get it through Congress. So, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, so, yes, you speak of the new strategy with respect to that uh, social spending measure, which is to um, reduce it in size, perhaps break it up in pieces. Um, yes, no, I think this is very much an uphill climb for reasons that we've discussed before. But most acutely, there's all sorts of infighting right now in the Democrat caucus um, regarding a lot of finger pointing, that is. Um, so uh, Politico reported earlier this week that um, Dems are seething, quote unquote, with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer um, for uh, the reason actually we spoke about last Friday. He keeps on uh, forcing these difficult yet pointless votes on moderates that expose them to um, uh, tough political ads down the road. So dissension with Schumer, there's dissension amongst congressional Democrats with the White House in particular, Ron McLean, chief of staff, for how he's been uh, managing the legislative process. Um, so that is to say, amidst all this infighting, and now with a Supreme Court confirmation uh, process on their plate, I don't see congressional Democrats um, picking back up this Build Back, that build back Better Act. Um, I do think it's dead. Yeah. Well, you may be again a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Well, you always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, uh, Erica Donalds. She is the founder, president, CEO of Optima Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a performing arts center in downtown Naples, it's going to be beautiful, but also bringing you currently uh, New York-style professional theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Rommel, our state representative. Right now we have with us Erica Donalds, who's the founder, president, and CEO of Optima Foundation. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Bob. Good to be here. Well, thank you so much, Erica. Tell us about the Optima Foundation. Well, as you know, I served on the Collier County School Board uh, for four years and really tried to make a difference for kids. I believe so strongly in school choice and the difference that it can make for families and didn't really feel like serving on the school board was the way to expand choices and options, unfortunately. So when I left there, I started the foundation. Uh, we have opened three charter schools in the last three years, uh, each a school a year, both in Stewart, Florida, Jacksonville, and now Naples. We're opening several more schools in the coming years in different communities. And the demand is just huge, Bob. Yeah. Our schools are affiliated with Hillsdale College Barney Charter School Initiative. And they provide an amazing classical curriculum that our parents just love and our students are thriving. So we've got about 3,000 students now in our schools and many hundreds on our waiting list. Uh, and uh, Eric, I just can't help but mention we've been watching uh, Peter uh, Hegseth's um, The Miseducation of America, which is a series that he's published on uh, uh, Fox Nation and uh, really underscores the importance of school choice to help us understand the difference between classical education and what we currently have in our public schools. Well, certainly, Bob, a classical model of education is how our founding fathers were educated. It's how people were educated for really hundreds of years prior to that. Um, it involves explicit phonics, explicit grammar to truly understand our language studying source documents like our Constitution and the Federalist Papers, teaching children how to analyze that information and draw their own conclusions about our country, about world history, uh, without editorializing for them. Yeah. Um, we also use Singapore math. Students read classic literature. If a book has stood the test of time, we know it's a great book, and often those books are what teach us about virtues, which is also a tenet of classical education. It's virtue-based and it's infused throughout the curriculum where you're 
learning about history and what courage looks like. Yeah, you're reading what self-governance looks like in some of that classic literature. It is truly a beautiful education that uh, values education and learning for what it is and not preparing for a job or um, some other you know, mundane reason, mm-hmm. the beauty of learning. Yeah. Again, and the proof of the pudding is in the tasting, isn't it? And the results have been pretty darn impressive. Now, I know that schools have been open. Our charter schools uh, uh, not necessarily uh, long enough to give good results. I mean, uh, you know, measurable results, but irrespective, I think the, the proof of the pudding is right there. You can see that uh, kids are getting a great education. You can, and we do our parent surveys, Bob, and the number one reason parents love our school is the classical model. Uh, they see the difference in what their children are learning, and that's how I got hooked on classical. When I sent my child to a classical model education, they were learning so much more, and it's so much richer and deeper, and they love learning. And I saw a stark difference between that and the progressive education that uh, in my opinion, was just full of fluff. It wasn't rich. It didn't foster a love for learning. And that's what parents are seeing. That's why we have such long waiting lists. Yeah. Now, I understand that uh, this is National School Choice Week. It is. And it is an annual celebration where there are events all over the country celebrating school choice. I was able to go to Tallahassee this week and celebrate in our state capital. Hundreds of children were there, bussed in from all over the state who attend choice schools. And we were celebrating the fact that these parents are able to choose a school that they believe will help their children thrive and that the children love their school. And imagine if every parent had that choice and every child could wake up in the morning and be excited to go to their school, the school that works for them. That is really the goal of school choice. Every child wakes up every day, loves to go to school and loves to learn. Very exciting indeed. So, uh, Eric, I understand that we're, uh, and I say we, I proudly serve on the board of uh, the Optima Foundation, beginning a new program that's going to be starting next year. Maybe you can tell us about it. That's right. We have launched Optima Classical Academy, optimaclassical.org. This is the world's first virtual reality school. And even better, not only are we using the latest technology to deliver Uh, schooling virtually to families who desire that method, but we're doing it in the classical model. The virtual reality uh, school allows teachers and students to be in a classroom, in VR, interacting with one another, building culture and community. And we can take that classroom all over to the moon. We were doing lunar lessons at the School Choice Week rally for students. We can go to the Constitutional Convention. We can go to Pompeii and actually immerse the children in the place where they're learning about kids are loving it. They're so excited about it. And there are tens of thousands of virtual students in Florida who would love to have a high quality option like this. We're really excited. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a, it's a hybrid between uh, going to brick and mortar schools and uh, uh, home education or homeschooling. It certainly feels way. It is a traditional school day starting at 8 a.m. From 8 to 12 are the virtual reality live lessons with a teacher. And so students are able to interact with that high quality classical um, education teacher. And then the afternoon, the students are doing their work outside of VR um, in a virtual platform. But they are engaged with a teacher all through the school day so that they can work independently. It's open to grades three to eight starting this fall, and then it will go on to high school. Just absolutely uh, terrific. So uh, let's talk about school choice a little bit uh, and the work that the Optima Foundation is doing. There are barriers, are there not, to pe- to uh, starting a charter school anywhere in the state of Florida? There are, and most of that is funding. There is not funding available at first for startups of charter schools. When people contact me wanting a school in their community, that's one of the biggest barriers is their ability to fund the startup costs. So we raise money to help those schools get started. You also have to go through the districts to get approval. And that's not always a smooth process. As you can imagine, your competition is approving your ability to exist. Right. We're trying to change that law. Um, what I would love to see, Bob, is more expansion of private school scholarships or 
education scholarship accounts where parents will be able to take those funds that are allocated to their child and they could take it to a charter school or a public school or a private school but to create an education marketplace that is not dependent so much on the bureaucracy but is really dependent upon the free market outstanding and erica how can our listeners get engaged how can they be supportive how can they help the effort to expand school choice and charter schools in florida well, they can go to OptimaEd.org. That's the Optima Foundation website where they can learn more about what we're doing, make a donation, and sign up for updates. OptimaClassical.org is our website to have parents enroll in the lottery. It's a very simple form for the new VR school. So please help spread the word about that. And please join us at OptimaEd.org or the Optima Foundation on social media and follow what we're doing and help to support us. Erica, just genuinely appreciate your leadership and what you're doing to contribute to school choice here in the state of Florida and perhaps beyond those borders. Uh, again, OptimaEd.org is the uh, website and I encourage you to just visit the website and provide some support for everything, for everything that's going on. Erica, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for your support, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Rommel. Bob is the uh, state representative for our district. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. I proudly serve on their board. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us our state representative, Bob Rommel. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, good morning, Bob, and how are you been doing this uh, session so far? Well, I've been doing great, thank you, Bob, and I hope you are as well. Well, you know, we're in Florida. We're in a great state where we have a great economy. The economy is open, and uh, we believe in individual liberties. You know, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, what's happening in the state house and the legislative agenda. But before I do, I want to get any, any thoughts on uh, this outrageous uh, uh 
uh, President Biden cutting off the supply of monoclonal antibodies here in the state of Florida. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's virtually, it's, to me, it looks, it's virtually murder is what it amounts to. Well, you know, we, we all know that there's supposed to be separation of states and government. I think that when our founding fathers, you know, created, you know, the Bill of Rights, it was so that if there were states that wanted to do more for their citizens to protect them and give them every opportunity in health care for treatment, that's what it was for. So in Florida, we've done everything we could, you know, from multiple testing states, vaccine sites, and then we were also the first state that set up the monoclonal antibody treatments, and um, and they've been very effective in saving lives. Uh, there's not any clinical data yet. It was just the opinion of the FDA that it's not very effective on the Omicron because basically the Omicron is a mild cold. But, you know, some patients and doctors still thought it was important, uh, a treatment, especially for those in a high-risk category. So I don't know if it's just politics uh, or it's just politics because I don't know why else you would stop that treatment. No, it's got to be politics indeed. And, uh, of course, the <laughs> I think... Uh, our governor and our state house kind of a thorn in the side of the Biden administration because uh, they're doing all things in the opposite way and getting great results. So <laughs> less government yeah, and would. and better results. So uh, Bob, let's talk a little bit about the legislative agenda. Uh, what are some of the things that are important to you about what's uh, what's happening up in uh, on the hill there in Tallahassee and uh, well, what bills are you sponsoring? You, you know, um, another. <laughs> It, it seems a lot. A lot of things that we're doing is about the pushback from the federal government. Again, I, you know, I really believe in states' rights, mm-hmm. and um, even though it has not passed the Senate yet in the U.S. Senate, I had a House memorial pushing back on the expansion of the IRS, where Biden uh, has threatened that you know every business will have to uh, record, you know, not just cash transactions, but every transaction of ten thousand dollars, and he's also threatened to hire eighty thousand new IRS agents. Uh, Mm-hmm. And they only have 75,000 agents, so they're going to more than double, uh, be, be over $9 billion a year in pay. Uh, you know, basically, I guess there's just as a threat to people to make sure they're paying, paying their fair share in taxes. But uh, memorials actually do are, are effective, uh, especially when you have 12 million voters in one state. Uh, and and it looks like we're getting 1,100 new ones every single day as they want to come to a state that allows people to uh, – live freely and live their life the best way they can. Yeah, I just uh, to your point, you know, I, my understanding is the revenue in the last quarter for the federal government was up, set a record. <laughs> so, right, you know, it doesn't, I think that is a pretty good indication that people are paying their taxes. Now, I'm sure there's a few irrespective that are going to cheat and do do whatever. But the point is, uh, based on with the new tax cuts that we had under the President Trump, uh, things are quite doing quite well in terms of revenue. The pro- we have a spending problem, not a revenue problem. And and you're correct. Uh, actually, for 2021, it was the best uh, revenue collection year ever by the IRS. So even uh, you know with the pandemic uh, and many places being shut down, the states like Florida, where you know our, our economy has just exploded, uh, the IRS is collecting more money than ever. So I guess it was you know called a record year for them. But unfortunately. They collected more money than ever, but they've also spent $2 billion more than ever. That's right. Well, you know, uh, more IRS agents is the solution. The question is, what's the problem? There is no problem to be solved by that. So so what are some of the other highlights of the uh, session up there? You know, we have another one that, you know, it's always controversial. You know, it deals with... uh, Abortion. We have a bill that uh, would ban abortions in Florida after 15 weeks, um, and there are quite a few exceptions in there, also. And but of course, it was politicized, and you know, emotions, and uh, it's you know, it's healthcare, which I don't believe healthcare, is, but that you know, that's part of the debate. And then, never mind, you know, you, could, you know, I I want uh, peaceful proper debate but i heard last night uh and i had already uh, left the capitol uh it was up at its second committee and a bunch of people kind of stormed and overtook the uh the, the entire committee and they had to have the uh, security officers remove the people from the capitol wow that's unfortunate yeah it is a mostly charged issue but i, I found out that the, we've actually got more pregnancy clinics than we have 
uh, abortion clinics here in the state of Florida and around the United States, actually, by a, by a total of about three to one, which is quite interesting. And uh, second of all, I think most people would t- uh, there's a difference between uh, uh, a woman's taking her uh, care of her own body and murder. We I just we have to prevent murder in all costs. And we've learned so much in the last 10 years about the fetus and what happens. Uh, you know, we need to protect life when we know that we have a, a, a human being. We can't destroy a human being. It's murder. Yeah. You know, in this bill, too, we had a, there's a bunch of uh, items in there. We increased spending on education and uh, um, supplying the right nutrition for women that uh, don't have the financial means when they're pregnant. So it wasn't just, you know, making it a 15-week abortion. Man. It was it was truly was a health care bill where, okay, if you, if you want to have a healthy baby, we're going to teach you how, what the right things to do, what's nutrition, uh, get you to the doctor so you can make your normal checkups and everything. And, uh, and again, to me, you know, you know I, I, I believe in I'm 100% pro-life. I know some states have uh, bills where, uh, you know, you can't do an abortion after the heartbeat because I can't uh, have – I can't – believe in any of the argument that life doesn't at least start at the latest when there's a heartbeat, except right. if you're one certain court justice, uh, even dead people, their toes. Well, you know what? Uh, it moves the date. I think it's back from 24 weeks to 15 weeks, which is a good thing. And uh, we ought to err on the side of caution. So if, in fact, there is maybe it should be less than 15 weeks, if, in fact, we know that there is a human being uh, that uh, could be killed as a result of an abortion, that should be avoided at all costs, I think, in my opinion. And... Uh... What else, what else do we have going there? I'm working on a bill that uh, yeah. some, some people say are controversial. It's about putting cameras and microphones on teachers while they're in the classrooms. Right. We have cameras in the school buses. We have cameras in the hallways. But um, I really believe with some of the violence that's happened around uh, you know, our schools and some of the indoctrination by teachers where they say they're never doing it, um, putting cameras in the classroom and micing up the teachers – so when there is an incident reported either by the teacher or the student, uh, we now have proof. It's with my bill, uh, the sc- a local school board would actually have to vote on it themselves. Yeah. And the film would not, or the uh, video recording or the audio recording would not be live streamed. It would be only used in the case of an incident. And then you can go back and if it was a criminal incident, the police could look at it also. And, uh, but, you know, of course, I'm sure it's just, this goes back to when, Body cams and microphones were first put on police officers. Many of the police officers did not like it, and uh, but now they're thinking they have it because we have all these incidents where police are being prosecuted for doing their job, and now there's proof to the camera whether yeah. they did or they did not do something. You know what, Bob? It's, it's a great idea. I love the idea. I'm sure there's some privacy issues, and you work through all that, I'm sure, uh, through uh, – uh, the the process and the committees and getting the bill uh, written and marked up. But the point being is the parents have a right to know what's going on in the classroom. And so does law enforcement if, in fact, there's a criminal act. So uh, I think it's a great idea. And I just really applaud you for sponsoring the bill. Well, I appreciate it. And it actually, it, it truly does protect teachers and students alike. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, and I haven't had some go... Uh, public, but I've had some teachers and school board members call me privately and said it's long overdue. Yeah. Bob, I really appreciate your service there in Tallahassee. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. All right. Thank you, Bob, and God bless. You as well. Thank you, Bob. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling naples auto donation center naples auto donation center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer just call nadc at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there you get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by nadc goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell and Dad, professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture. He's also the author of many books, most of which I've read, I proudly announce. Uh, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. He co-wrote the book with Buzz Aldrin. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Professor. And uh, by the way, uh, the the book is available right now. I guess it's available on Amazon and other uh, book purveyors, but also it's available on Kindle. And uh, I don't know if it's available on Apple Book yet. I don't know about Apple Book. It's on uh, you know it's on Amazon and Kindle and. Uh... I haven't really been following the others. Yeah, okay. Well, nevertheless, uh, I'm sure a great read. I'm looking forward to read it. Now, uh, your latest column in Newsmax, uh, by the way, uh, it's called On Point. You can visit Newsmax.com and find uh, Professor Bell's column. Latest column is Biden War on Energy Surrenders U.S. Leverage Over Russia, China, Iran Threats. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Bob, uh, I think it's an important uh, it's important to note that uh, how, how central energy is the linchpin uh, in terms of not only economy but military strategies and so on. And certainly, our, our adversaries recognize this. It's really a linchpin as we look at developments in Russia and, and regarding Ukraine and China and Taiwan and and. Uh, of course, Iran and, and, and Middle East as well. And uh, oil is just oil and natural gas are really central to those agendas. And we've been, uh, I, I introduced the article mentioning that President Biden is correct in saying that climate change is the greatest global threat. But it's only because it's being weaponized through this climate obsession to to steer energy policies in absolutely disastrous ways. And for example, we see the, uh, you know, first day in office, he cancels the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, 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 sanctions that, that Trump had put on and and uh, allows that to go through. And that would connect, you know, Russian, Siberian natural gas to Germany. And Germany is, 
in Europe in general are really energy starved. You know, Germany invested all this, this uh, all their uh, resources in windmills and, and so-called green energy, and they're really paying the price for it now. They had a they had very low uh, wind output last summer, and so constantly they're just desperate for energy, and so uh, the pipeline to gas, you know, pipeline to to Russia, which it provides about, and Russia provides about 40% of Europe's natural gas, is really is really a vital asset at a time when uh, we're looking at NATO as a defense force to help offset the threat to Ukraine. I don't think many Americans want to put American troops on the ground there. No. It's really NATO responsibility, and Germany has been... Uh, Really blocking weapon transfers to, you know, to uh, Ukraine and and uh, even the weapons that are transported from Europe have had to bypass Germany because they don't want to embarrass the new government and get turned down with uh, flyover uh, permission. And so, so Germany, which has not been very generous with NATO, and Trump had pointed that out, has been a big obstacle. That's and energy is very very central to that. It's, it's something that they will use as leverage. And then, of course, the Iran deal is, is another thing that the administration desperately wants, this nuclear deal, and good luck with that. Uh, so meanwhile, Russia and China are, are both very much uh, supporting Iran, and and they, they also see the oil as an important leveraging aspect. Iran has an enormous amount of oil that they can put in the market very rapidly and buy a lot of military stuff with it and and so on china's building a new coal plant equivalent about every week mm -hmm. and so it's, it's so much energy centered and our energy policies have been disastrous indeed i mean we were energy independent right now as i discovered in your column that in fact we're actually importing oil ourselves i believe from russia as as well as coal from russia is that true well, I don't know how much we're we're actually importing, but but we you know recall that because of the gas prices and so on, and and uh, the you know the, we you see the gas prices escalate, and we see uh, Biden pleading with OPEC to turn on the spigots and, yeah. Yeah. and provide and ask ask them for uh, oil. I believe also from Russia, but we're you know wanting to desperately import oil. When it's our resource, we have an abundance of, and as you say, we were energy independent, and uh, we have great, great capacity. You know, ironically, Europe has has shale oil that they could be if they could be taken advantage of. They don't have to be in the desperate straits they're in, but they're they're so they're so crazy on this on this climate emission stuff that they they don't develop their own resources. Yeah. And the whole world is being impacted by these stupid decisions. I mean, the, the very premise of uh, climate change is so absurd uh, because, I mean, it's the impact. Whatever we've decided to do and the initiatives we're taking around this, including increasing energy costs today and all these other things, are going to have absolutely no impact on climate change going forward. It's just really a shame. And for whatever reason, this administration is committed to an ideal that's going to provide, provide nothing but negative results. Well, so, climate's an, you know, subject I've been dealing with for, for many years. I wrote a couple of books on it beginning around 15 years ago. And, uh, and I know a lot of climate scientists. I know a great number of them. I don't know one that would say that we have a climate crisis. Yeah. And what really, what really, uh, I know it's too short to, uh, bland a word, but, I think it's absolutely uh, uh, terrible that scientists who know better won't speak up against you know the sham stuff is science and uh, it's, it's just absolutely egregious and yeah. of course one reason is when the when when the scare goes away the money goes away for these you know for research centers and so on I think we see the same thing with COVID and and so on and that's another subject but. But uh, science, the so-called science has been so corrupted. And yes, yes, there's been warming, but it's been warming ever since the last ice age around, ended around 1850, and it'll 
and we'll continue to see warming in fits and starts till the next major ice age starts another two or three thousand years. So yeah, so, so much of it's just sham stuff, and we're we're driving these crazy energy policies because of this alarmism that's not that's really unwarranted. Larry Bell again endowed professor at the University of Houston. His latest book, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. Professor Bell, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank my you so my pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, terrific multimedia website. Also, Larry, Be- uh, Larry Reed, uh, he is a pre- uh, uh, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, he'll be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.